Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. And we are going to finish up our, our series called Out of Order, where we've been talking about um, the patterns and the priorities in our lives, where sometimes they can get out of order. Um, they can get kind of, um, kind of out of whack. Or what I like to call sometimes, like, and I don't know about you, but I know I do this, is sometimes I fall into the defaults, right? So I grew up differently than you did. I um, have a different personality, I think, probably than all of you. I'm a little weird sometimes. But um, I have these defaults that I tend to, to jump into because it's just kind of natural for me. And so whether your defaults are good or, or they're bad, um, we have to learn that, you know what, Jesus has a certain pattern that he wants us to live in our life. He, he actually really invites you into it. He doesn't mandate it. He's not sitting there trying to, you know, knock at your door every day and say, hey, I need you to do this. But what he's saying is, hey, this is what, from God's word, this is what I know and this is what, how he even puts into practice how to live his life before his father, right? Because you're constantly seeing Jesus in scripture, when you're reading about it, how he went away, right, to pray. He went away to spend time. He went to God the Father. And then he said a couple times, like, hey, you know what? I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. That, that's just how I roll. That's how I do this thing. And so what he's trying to do is just get across to us. And what we're trying to do, too, is, is to get across that for us, it would be awesome for us to discover um, the way Jesus patterned his life prioritized his life. Um, because I don't know if, if over the last two weeks you've kind of recognized that maybe in, in my life, I'm, the way I'm operating now maybe is out of order. Maybe it ha- is kind of out of place. And so what we've been just trying to do is help us to understand that, you know what, um, he wants us to live in the correct order, and it's going to take discipline to do that. If you're out of order, it's going to take discipline to get in order. And sometimes that's a real stretch for some of us. But, but the thing about it is God is so gracious. Jesus is so gracious. The Holy Spirit is so gracious. He constantly wants us to lead us back to his way, right? Not a way, because sometimes in this world we think about, oh, well, that's a way to do something. Well, that's not how Jesus is approaching this. He's approaching it as though this is the way right? Say the way. Okay, so if it's the way, that means this is how you do it, right? Right? What's that song? This is how you do it, right? Okay, so here, here he's saying this is the way for us to live in every season and every day and every situation of life that we come to. So we get to Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 46 through 49, and he gives us this pattern and, uh, and, and priorities of our living that he desires. Because, you know, how, I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to be a kingdom Christian. I, I just don't want to be a Christian in word only, but I want to be a Christian in a sense where, man, I, I am connected to the way the kingdom operates. And the kingdom operates opposite of what this world operates. Wouldn't you agree? If, if you look in Scripture, you'll see things. And then nowadays, I mean, it's even more blatant. It is completely opposite of what the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God operates. 
And so he, he wants us to understand there are some things that we need to place in our life, to put it in correct order, okay, instead of being out of order. And so um, our, our text for today, again, is Luke, but uh, our title today is Put Them Into Practice. Now, the first week we covered how, um, how to come to him. We need to come to Jesus. That's the first thing we need to do, because oftentimes we get that priority out of order, right? We wait until we're in trouble. We wait until, man, we're in a stressful uh, situation, we wait until, man, we're in like high anxiety. Where Jesus says, no, the very first thing you need to do is come to me. Come to me first. And then we talked about how he said that, we you know what, then what we need to do is be like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we just need to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, obviously, we know Jesus is not in person, but where do you hear, where can you hear him talk to you? It's in God's word. Right? So when we actually are sitting at the feet of Jesus, that means most of the time we're taking his word and we're putting it in, you know, in our minds, or in our hearts, in our spirits. We're allowing it to sink in and then it allows him to be able to speak to us. Right? Because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes, man, I'll be walking during my day or have a situation that arises within me and all of a sudden, man, there's, there's a, a word from the Bible right, or a phrase from the Bible that all of a sudden, like, is highlighted in, in my spirit or in my mind. Now, that's because I've sat at Jesus' feet. See, if I'm not sitting there, he's not, I mean, yeah, what, what is he going to say? Unless, you know, he, he, he shows up big time. But sometimes, you know, we talked about, or, 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 or we've shared that, um, I think it was Elijah. I, I probably, yeah, Elijah. Elijah went up and it, you know, it wasn't in the, the big storm. This big storm came. It wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in this. It was in the still small voice. And see, the still small voice always leads us back to Scripture. It always talks to us about Scripture. So, I mean, when you look at Scripture, then you, know, you can say, man, this is God talking to me. This is what God's revealing to me. And then there are times where, man, I haven't read that Scripture in years, maybe. I know that's terrible that I said years, right? But I just haven't thought about that scripture. But then I'll be in a certain situation and all of a sudden that scripture pops up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, that, man, that's, that's the answer. Or that's, that's how I navigate this thing. Or that's how I can, you know, maybe uh, be engaged and involved with someone. So we, we talked about, you know, hearing his sayings. And then this week we're going to talk about putting them into practice. And that's the correct order. That's proper order. Okay, instead of out of order. So here, here we got Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. It says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man digging a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the uh, streams beat uh, vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock, but he also heard and did nothing, and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth with a foundation against which the streams beat vehemently. I hate that word because I can't say it that well. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Now, two weeks ago, we started this off looking at this one, one portion of scripture, but I think it's very important that we cover it again. Just to kind of go, because it kind of, it fits appropriately into what our message is about. And that is in, in verse 46. 
He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Now, that wasn't like a, hey, I'm in your face. And you got my finger on pointing at you. No, Jesus said, hey guys, why do you call me Lord? If you're not doing the things that I, that I say. If you're not putting those things into in, practice. And we learned, in case you weren't here the very first week, that, you know, Lord means uh, the one to whom a person belongs or the one who has deciding power in one's life, right? So we would use the word master, owner, uh, ruler. Um, and that's the person who's supposed to be honored and, and revered um, that, uh, that a title or that a servant would give to his master, it's kind of like, uh, how many Star Wars geeks do I have here, right? Okay, so it's kind of like, you know, the, the master and the apprentice or the, um, the teacher and uh, the, pa- or the Padawan, right? The master and the Padawan. No, we only got a couple, couple, right? Okay, so it's that same principle. It's the fact that, you know what? I am being taught. I have someone who is teaching me. Now, you could be 85 years old, and guess what? You still should be a learner. You still should be listening. You still should be someone who is learning how to walk out your journey with Jesus. It's not about, you know, oh, I'm so old and I have gray hair and, you know, that's a crown on my head or whatever it is. It's not about that. Every single one of us, no matter how old we are and whatever age group we we would fall into, we need to be learners. We need to have a master. We need to have Jesus before us teaching us, revealing truth to us, helping us to understand how do we navigate this life. And so we have to understand that we've got to put ourselves in that position. So then Jesus says that. He says, why do you keep calling me Lord if you do not do what I say? Right? Because basically what they're doing is they're not allowing him to lead. They're not allowing him to guide They're not allowing him to be the one who provides for them. Instead, they're doing everything on their own, trying to figure it out all by themselves. Well, no, I've got this. I'm a strong person. I've got the ability to make it happen. Well, you probably do. That's part of your giftings that he's given you, but that doesn't mean you're absent of him. That means you, you have him come alongside you even more. Because you can't carry or can't do all of it. But see, what we, we forget is that, you know, Jesus is supposed to be the good shepherd in our life. He's supposed to be the one that is helping us. And, and really, we want all of the promises of Psalm 23 to, to manifest in our life. But see, that won't happen if we're, we're, we're kind of a solo act. It's about me, right? It's, it's not, well, Jesus is in the picture, but really, I am a solo artist, and I will do my own thing, right? What's that song? I will do it my way, right? Okay. I, I know I can't sing, and I, I, and I have really bad references sometimes, okay? But, 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 but that's the principle of it, is the fact that, you know what? I try to do it my own way. When all along, he's like, no, man, I, I, I'm just waiting for you to talk to me about it. I'm just waiting for you to show me what, what it is that, 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 that needs to happen, And so he's saying, man, it's not enough just to merely believe in him, but rather we need to make him Lord, master, teacher of our life. But how that happens is every day we got to posture our heart. 
We got to posture our heart before him and be a student and learn and be someone who is, is pliable, right? There's that, that scripture that talks about being the, the piece of clay. And it's like, you know what, man, I'm on the potter's wheel. And man, the Lord is constantly moving and trying to shape me into whatever God wants to shape me into. Because in no way, even though I, you know, I've got this position and God graced me with this position, but man, I know that there are still things that, man, I, there are rough spots in my pot of clay that the Lord's still working on, right? And maybe that's true for all of you. Maybe it's not. But man, I just know that if I don't keep putting myself in that position on that potter's wheel and in submission to him, then you know what? I, I, I'm going to be just making a mess all over the place, just like a little kid, Right? You know, babies, they make messes all over the place, right? Or even toddlers. It's just stuff all over. Well, sometimes, you know what? I, I, I get, it, I, I get out, of, out of alignment, and I, I feel like I make a mess sometimes. Now, it's not drastic, but maybe it's what I, what I say with my words. See, sometimes we don't give weight to words, but words are powerful. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. But see, that, those are the things that, you know, if I put myself on that wheel, then correction comes. And it's okay to be corrected. It really is. We don't like that. But it's okay to be corrected. It's okay for, for the Holy Spirit to come and start working and getting those little rough edges out of our life. Um, even in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warns us, us against self-deception. Okay? This is what he says. Now, it's going to sound really familiar, but he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, now that, right, okay, stop it right there for a minute. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Did you catch that? He said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Man, you know, that, that's kind of challenging because we could say, yeah, Lord, Lord. Okay, I gave my life to Jesus, but at the same time, there are certain things that just he kind of wants to, to play out in our life. And one of those things is he who does the will of my Father in heaven. This is what the, how the message says it. It says, knowing the correct password, master, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience doing what my Father wills. Now, I've said this before. Jesus doesn't follow church guidelines in a sense of how to, how to build a church. Because, you know, a lot of times how to build a church, you know, you want people to feel welcome, they want love, and, and that's all great. But man, sometimes Jesus just was right out there. Hey, just because you say, Master, Master, Lord, Lord, man, your heart is far from me. You're like totally deceived in a sense because you think, you are doing the things that I see as valuable. But really, what he's saying is what's most valuable, what is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father, what? Wills. And so when we get into that, we kind of you know, get into this self-deception because, oh, well, I made this verbal profession. But see, we, we, we completely lack just being obedient to what he has to say, to the will of the Father, to the will of God, right? And if, you, and if you're kind of one of those that might say, well, what is the will of God? It's the Bible. You read your Bible, you follow what your Bible says, you, you're, you're doing the will of God. 
okay? Because obedience is important to God. Say that with me. Obedience is important to God. This is what James chapter 1, verse 22 says. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. See, you can hear everything you want. You could listen to a million, thousand, trillion, billion podcasts and watch on TV and do all of those things. But if you don't put into practice what is being said and and, and what is coming from God's word, then you're just self-deceived. Man, I don't want to be self-deceived. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be self-deceived. But I'm sure there's things that, that even in the littlest, tiny, tiny, tiny things that, you know, the Holy Spirit brings into my life is kind of like, hey, yeah, we got we to gotta smooth that clay out a little bit more. So let's get back to Luke again. And he says again, why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? So then he goes on after that and he's describing the wise man, Right? That's what we want to be. Hopefully, we want to be the wise person who is not out of order, but is in proper order. And so he says that this wise man, what he does, what he practices, is he comes to him, he hears his words, and then he does, puts them into practice. He puts them into practice, right? You know, you, you read stories of people who, who, who got really good in their sport. Well, a lot of times it's because what do they do? They practice, right? It just doesn't come natural. It's, it's something that you have to do over and over and over and over and over again, right? See, I think, it, you know, there's that saying, um, you could be a jack of all trades and master of none, right? And that, that could be a badge of honor, right? Oh yeah, I'm jack of all trades, master of none. But I think what, what, what Jesus wants us to be is the, a master of, of one, a master of his word, a master of our relationship with him, not just us kind of being all over the place and stuff like that. I mean, you can get yourself, and hear me when I say this, you can get really busy in church doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that, but what happens? You could get so out of whack that, man, you're not even spending time with him anymore. You're not even reading to find out what exactly that he wants you to do. Instead, it's like, no, 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 we're going to keep doing this, doing this, doing, doing all of those things. And so we, we've got to begin to put these things into practice. So this morning, um, we're going to talk about that, but I, I wanna, I'm going to kind of condense it a little bit into two words, right? Putting it into practice. Um, but basically what that is, is biblical obedience. Now listen to me, biblical obedience, right? Because you can have obedience, uh-oh, right? You better obey. You better do this. You, ah, I'm going to swat your bottom, right? Now, Jesus won't do that. But, but biblical obedience is totally different than regular obedience. It's totally different. So this morning, let me give you five things about this word or about biblical obedience or putting, this, putting his word into practice. The first thing I want you to realize is biblical obedience is not legalism, okay? Biblical obedience is not legalism. See, Jesus doesn't command all of us to follow him. He gives us an invitation to follow him. 
He doesn't command it. But what he does do is he does give commands to those who follow him. Right? His disciples. He, he, they, he, he, as he walked with them, he, he told them, hey, this is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this. This is, you know, how we're going, you know, kind of plays out. But see, we, we sometimes think that, you know, well, you know, Pastor Scott, but, but we're, we're, we're saved by grace, right? Which is totally true, right? We're saved by grace, not by works. And he does save us that way. But the thing about it is, once he saves us, he wants to talk to us about our works. Does that make sense? He wants to talk to you about our works, about our obedience, about us putting what he says into practice. And, and biblical obedience is simply following God's command. Right? Simply following what God has to say. When God says, love your neighbor, what are you supposed to do? Even if they're a jerk, even if they tick you off, even if they don't mow their grass, even if they don't pick up the dog stuff, whatever, and it smells and it goes into the yard, what does the Bible say for you to do? Love your neighbor. See, we're the ones that have to, to walk in this and, and figure out how, how do we navigate all of that. But see, that's why it's so special that the Holy Spirit is in your life. If you, you're a believer, then the Holy Spirit's in your life, and the Holy Spirit will help you navigate that. He'll help you try to figure that out because, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard sometimes because your flesh, you know, wants to rise up. It wants to be angry. It wants to be mad. It wants to be, ah, I don't want to talk to him. Just... It's kind of like, man, we, if, if you have one of those moments, like when Jonah, when God came to Jonah and said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them about me. What did, what did, what did Jonah do? Uh-uh, I ain't doing that. You know those people. Forget that. But what if your neighbor that you're just ticked off, and all this stuff that I just said, God says, hey, I want you to go over there and bake them a cake. And just walk over and just say, hey, I just want to see how you guys are doing. Just loving on them. Are you going to be like Jonah? No! You know, you get in your car and you drive, I don't know, QT or whatever, and just, you know, block it all out. Or are you going to biblically obey? Because when you biblically obey something, sometimes it's not like, oh, you're just... It's all roses. This is so comfortable, and it's just warm and fuzzy for me to obey him. I'm just feeling so good. No, sometimes he's going to tell you, stretch. And let me just tell you this. When he asks you to stretch, that's a good thing. It is. Because we, we think it's, oh my gosh, no, I can't. Ah. He's asking you to stretch for a reason. Right? He wants to see. Are you, are you going to be biblically obedient? Or are you going to be rebellious? And he's going to go find a whale and stick you in there for a couple days. No, he's not going to do that, right? But you, you know what I'm talking about. It's just that, that, that ability to have this, this, this thought, oh my God, Lord, I, 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 I love you. But see, what happens is legalism applies to this, that idea, 
right? By, by doing good works or by obeying the law, a person earns, mer- earns the merit of God, earns the love of God. If you do these good works, then you know what? I, then God's going to love you. Then he's going to accept you. Then he's going to, to do all this stuff. See, that's legalism, right? And that's where a lot of church hurt comes from. Because people have taken on and applied whatever God's um, uh, laws are, whatever God has in the Word of God, and then they've applied their own thoughts, their own philosophy to it, and said, hey, no, yeah, but see, look, I can't believe you do that, or I can't believe this, or you shouldn't be doing that, okay? Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be, but it's not up to me to sit there and, like, judge you, right? Because the Scripture says you're not supposed to judge someone else. That's tough, isn't it? Because, man, I, I'm in there with you. Maybe not. Maybe you're, maybe you're holy and perfect. But, man, there's times when, man, it, judgment rises up within me. And, and, and I have to, like, stop it. I have to hold go, no, no, this can't happen. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you where the worst part I, I, I'm in. The worst part when I get judgmental is when it comes to sports, right? Because I have my teams, and then I've, there's a, other teams and other coaches and other things like that. that. Man, I just get judgmental. And I'm just all like up and just, you know, like Notre Dame lost last night. And man, I was not in a good place. My son can probably tell you. But I was judgmental of the, the coach of Ohio State. And I'm thinking, why am I so judgmental? I don't even know the guy. But, I was, but see, that's, 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 that's some of the things. But make it practical. Maybe there's people in your life that sometimes you, 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 you're judging and you shouldn't be, right? Wait, what's that, that scripture about taking the plank out of your own eye, right? Man, I, 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 got, like, I feel like I got a lot of planks sometimes that I've got to poke out and get out of my own, own, own eye, okay? And so what happens, though, is sometimes people just take that and they kind of just run with it and, you know, they've got the idea, well, hey, we're, we're, we're saved by grace. So what you're saying, or they twist kind of the whole thing, and we are saved by grace, but they twist it to the point of, well, if you don't do this, and you don't do that, and you don't do this, we make it legalistic to the point of, you know what, then you know what, God's not going to love you. He's not going to, to, to be a part of your life. And, and that's wrong. Okay? That's wrong. God loves each and every one of us unconditionally. Even the, the worst of sinners, he loves them, right? There's, there's a couple of scriptures. John, 1 John uh, 4, 9 and 10 says this. God showed, us, or God showed how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him, okay? It's not a country club. It's not just for the select few. This is for everyone. God loved everyone, He showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And then it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Then in Romans chapter 5, I mean, you got this big, big long thing, verse 35, and it says, can anyone ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we are troubled or, uh, or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37, no, 
despite all these things. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt like you were in that, that category, but it says, no, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, uh, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God for that. That is something we should hold on to deeply and dearly within our lives. So yes, we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us that. It says, for by grace you have been saved by faith. I love this part. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. See, God loves us no matter what. All we have to do is come to Him, right? And after we come to Him and and accept Him as Lord and Savior, then He begins to work with us and work on us if we'll let him, to the point where we start to become more biblically obedient to what his scripture says. But sometimes it's not that easy, right? Here's the second point of why obedience, biblical obedience is important. Biblical obedience demonstrates my faith. Biblical obedience, whoa, look at that. All right, we're getting psychedelic here. Um, Biblical obedience demonstrates my faith. It's like, you remember those, um, this might be old, old, old school, but you remember those um, uh, cereal boxes, right? And you would always look to see what the prize is. And then you would get those like decoder glasses and the thing would look like that. And you're like, oh, I got the answer. I know what to do. The Red Rider Beaver gun is over here. Anyways, um, so just off, off topic. Okay, um, so biblical obedience is a demonstration of our faith. It's a demonstration of our belief. It's a demonstration of our conviction. It's a demonstration of our trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior over all of our life, right? James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, this is in the Amplified Version, says, so too faith, if it does not have works, to back it up, it is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. But someone may say, you claim to have faith, and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without the works, if you can, and I will show you my faith by my works, that is, by what I do. And the thing about when we read James, we have to understand... This is Pastor James. He's, he's talking to his church, who are a, a church of believers. So this isn't talking about new salvations or anything like that. What he's talking about, hey, as a, a believer who is growing and maturing in the things of God, James is saying, hey, that man, our, our faith needs to pr- produce an action. It needs to produce an action that will reveal then where your faith is at. Right? So... If, if, if I believe um, that, that, that Jesus, man, wants to be involved in my life, wants to help take care of me, wants to, to participate in all these things, so what am I doing in order to allow him to do that? 
Am I trusting him with something? Maybe you got something heavy on your heart. And he's like, hey, I want you to relax with it. I don't, I don't want you to be stressed. I don't want you to give it to me. So that might be you having to, I don't know, write it out, put it in your Bible, just as an example. Say, all right, it's yours. I'm not going to stress. I'll be led by you. Or it might come down to, you know, sometimes even finances. And the Lord says, hey, I want you to, to bless somebody. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. That, that, that's asking, you know, but, but, but see, the Lord says that we, we are to be givers. You know, there's that scripture about, oh, what are we supposed to say? Just be, hey, be warm and be filled, even though you have a need. But later, no. You say, man, you know what? That, that should be something to where we, we, we're listening. Lord, what do you want us to do? How can we help in some way? You want me to give a nickel? Okay, I'll give a nickel. Now, he, I, he might say that. But see, it's that single act of obedience that will lead you to where he wants you to go. I mean, think of Noah, right? Hey, I want you to go build an ark. It's never rained before, dude. But go build an ark because, man, I'm coming with a flood. And everyone's probably like, ah, look at that guy. What a a dork. Why is he building this thing? But what happened? The flood came. See, he was demonstrating his faith by putting into practice. What he, what he had heard from God. So James is just trying to tell us, hey, our faith will produce an action that will reveal our faith. And if we don't, then you know what? Our, our faith, it, it, it's dead. I don't want a dead faith. I don't want a, just a faith that's just kind of plop. No, I want my faith to be able to grow fruit from it. Because I'm trying to put into practice what he's, he's talking about. Okay? So, in all of that, then, you know what? What you do reveals your faith or what you, um, or what you lack or it reveals the lack of your faith in Jesus. So, what you do reveals your faith in Jesus or what you don't do reveals your lack of faith in Jesus. Let that sink in. So when was the last time maybe you read something and you were like, oh man, I, I, I need to do that. You really felt in your heart that the Holy Spirit was revealing that to you. Yet you didn't do it. I would say then that, that is showing you that you have a lack of faith in Jesus. Even though you profess Jesus as your Savior, if we're not operating in what he's desiring for us to do and following after him as a good shepherd, as a teacher, a master, a Lord, Lord, all of those things, then you know what? We're not really displaying any kind of faith in him. And so then what happens is we are self-deceived. Self, you know, we're just kind of got this idea that we think we're good, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you got to be able to do what it is I'm saying for you to do. Let me give you the third thing. Biblical obedience is an act of loving devotion and surrender. Loving, biblical obedience is an act of loving devotion and surrender. John chapter 14, verse 15. In the Amplified says this, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my command, commands, commandments. Sorry. Uh, this is how the message version says it. If you love me, show it 
by doing what I've told you. I love, I love that, right? Because that's probably a way we've phrased it before with other people. You know, if, if you love me, then show it, man. Show it. Do, do, do what I've asked you to do. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says this, True love for God means obeying his commands. And his commandments don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. See, sometimes we get that, that perspective. Oh my gosh, this, man, this is going to be so hard. He wants me to do this. He doesn't want me to do that. Oh my gosh. No, really what, what that is designed for, his commands, is to lighten the load. It's to lighten the load off of you. So you're not carrying it, but that you're actually, again, you remember that scripture, cast your care on him for, he, you know, he cares about you. So you're not having to, to carry it. But he straight up tells us that loving God is not a mushy, emotional experience, right? Where you get the, the, the Christian goosebumps, okay? Now, sometimes that might happen, but see, our love and devotion and our surrender to God shows itself in our obedience to him. And sometimes it's not mushy and it's not Christian goosebumps and it's not like all this stuff. Sometimes it's just straight up following what God says to do. And that is hard for our flesh. That is hard. That goes against the will of our flesh, right? It's kind of a lot like, like, the only way I can maybe describe it is like, kind of like marriage, right? You don't always feel the mushy, you know, emotional things or the, or the goosebumps like you did when you were dating, right? Kind of, oh man, they're the apple of my eye. Oh, they're wonderful. They're great. great. Once you get married, man, things kind of change a little bit because now you get to see, you know, kind of the real realness of who that is, okay? But see, that doesn't stop or it shouldn't, it shouldn't cause you to stop loving and being devoted to your spouse. Not at all, right? Just because you, every day you don't get up and you got the mushy feeling and you're just like, oh man, I'm just so in love with you. This is so wonderful. It's so great. Oh my gosh, you're just best. That, man, if you got that going, I need to talk to you, right? Because you know what? Sometimes there is that, that rub, right, of personalities. See, my wife and I, we're two different personalities. She's not here so I can say this. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But, 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 but we are. We're two different personalities. See, I'm, I'm more of the, hey, let's go with the flow kind of guy. My wife is more of the, right that. And so what happens is a lot of times, man, we have this like, this beautiful love rub going on. I'm going to call it a love rub. <laughs> and that might sound bad too. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm a mess. Anyways. But we've got this thing going on where, man, no matter what, even though we might not see eye to eye, I still love her. I still honor her. I still do what I need to do. See, sometimes with God, that's how we kind of have to approach it. I might not think, hey, I need to go over to my neighbor and bake them some muffins and take them over because I really don't really like them. But God says, no, I need you to. This is part of the obedience part that I need you to work on. Or it might be that coworker that sits next to you or whatever, oh, they just rubbed me the wrong way. Oh my gosh, right? But God said, no, no, I want you to love them. 
And so there's this kind of weirdness. But see, it doesn't have to be all this lovey-dovey, rubby, whatever stuff or whatever. What it has to be is the fact that I make a decision that no matter what, I am going to love and I'm going to honor and I'm going to devote and I'm going to surrender myself to my wife. And so same principle. I'm going to love and I'm going to honor and I'm going to vote and surrender my life to Jesus to put him first. Right? And how that all happens is it happens over time. Right? We get saved and we're like, yeah, this is awesome. And sometimes that, 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 those Christian goosebumps rub off. And then now you're faced with the fact that, you know what? I've got to just get my big boy pants on and I have got to follow what he's saying and do what he's saying and go after what he's saying, even if I don't like it. That's tough, though right? That's tough. Which leads us to our next point real quick. I know I got two more points. I'm going to go right through them real quick. Um, Biblical obedience is a progression, not a destination. Biblical obedience is a progression, not a destination. Now, if if I've, I've touched anything where maybe you're like, oh gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this right away or be perfect right away or all of these things. Um, you know, fulfill what the Bible says. Man, I'm a work in progress, Pastor Scott. And all I will say this is, good. You're a work in progress. That's awesome. Because that's how God sees it. He's not, it's not a destination, right? Where you're going to be perfect the next day. It's going to be a, a gradual, gradual progression. A lifelong progression to becoming more and more like Jesus. Because that should be the ultimate goal, right? But see, even, even you look at the Bible, these guys weren't all like perfect. They had some issues at times. But see, there was a gradual progression when they were moving to be more and more like Jesus. That's all that he's asking. Just keep the progression going, right? Don't feel like, oh my gosh, man, I've got to arrive and I've got to be this perfect person now that Pastor Scott's saying. No, all I'm trying to say is, you know what? Put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. No, but the fact is, is you will be moving in the direction that God wants you to move. This is what Philippians 2 says. He's writing to the church of Philippi, Paul is. He says, so then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. This is what he says. Continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity. So he's even telling them, just keep working on it. It's a progression. Then he says, with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation, to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of, of Christ. Then he says, For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his what? Good pleasure. So what he's saying is, you know what? Just keep working at it. Don't think you're going to be perfect in one day, right? Our goal is to become more like Jesus, but you know what? That, that's a work in progress. It, it's developing. It's every single day. But, but again, 
The point is, you got to surrender, right? You got to put yourself in a position for him to be able to do that. So obedience is a progression of wrestling and working out your salvation. It's daily taking steps towards what pleases and honors God by living out God's commands, living out what he teaches, right? It's the Holy Spirit allowing him to work inside of you. And, and, I, and I love this scripture in Zechariah, right? So, so we got to start where we are, but I mean, I, I just love how, how the New uh, Living Translation says this scripture. Now, this is the angel of the Lord talking to Zechariah, and he says this. He says, do not despise these small beginnings, okay? Now, we're, we're, we're comfortable with that, okay? Oh, yeah, okay, we don't despise it. But, the, but, but this is what I love right here. This is one that makes me jump for joy. He says, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Who's rejoicing when you begin the work? You can tell me. The Lord, right? The Lord rejoices to see that the work has begun, right? It's you saying, okay, Lord, let's start this thing. In God, in Jesus' heart, God's heart, Holy Spirit, man, we are rejoicing. But see, a lot of times what it is, we look at it and say, well, no, that's too hard. Uh, I don't want to do that. Don't make me do that. But he says, even if you're on the bottom rung of the ladder, the very first step of the ladder, and you want to get to the top of the ladder, even if you're on that bottom rung of the ladder, he rejoices that you at least start. He's excited about that. But see, that, that's where we've just got to kind of get, I think, to this point of understanding that, you know what? He'll take me where I'm at. Because guess what? He already knows where you're at. Right? Nothing's hidden from him, so he already knows where you're at. So start where you are, do what you know, and strive to grow. Right? You make that into a song if you put a beat to it. So start where you are, do what you know, and strive to grow. Okay, and lastly, here's the last point. This is why you want to obey and to put God's word into practice. The last point is a biblical obedience comes with great reward. Biblical obedience comes with great reward. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking in a crowd and this lady screams out or, or yells out, blessed, right? That, that means like, you know, happy or favored by God is the woman that bore you, right? So she's talking about Mary. Now, we don't, we don't deify Mary or whatever. I mean, hey, Mary was blessed. She, she, she gave birth to the Savior, right? But then look how Jesus responds to this. And I love it because he just brings it back. He says, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So yeah, Mary, oh man, yeah, that was my mom. She's awesome. She's great. But you know who's more blessed? Is the one who hears the word of God and puts it into practice. So, and, and listen, notice it's not hearers, but it's doers who are blessed. I'm going to say that again. Notice it's not hearers, but it's doers of God's word who are blessed. Now, that's not just coming from me. That's coming from Jesus. Right? So when Jesus says, 
who hear the word of God, he's not saying you just, you're in proximity of it, but he's actually saying, no, you're, you're, you're being a person who, who hears and takes heed, right? Who understands it and receives it so that you can respond to it in faith. You can respond to God's word in faith. And then Jesus said, the person who does the will, hit this will, find blessing from God. Right? And, and we can like think about blessing. Right? That's kind of one of those Christianese words that is sometimes way overused right? to some degree. Because you know, people go, oh, bless you, brother. Bless you. Blessings to you. Right? But, but maybe not really understanding what, what the weight of that means. But to be blessed by God means supremely blessed, fortunate, and well-off to have his divine touch on our lives. He brings good to us. He gives us his grace. It means that his tender care and protection is on us. Right? We talked about the good shepherd earlier. So kind of we're wrapping this thing up. Let's get back to our Luke passage real quick. And and again in Luke 6. Because you have to listen to it from that perspective. Jesus is talking about biblical obedience. He's talking about biblical obedience. And and he puts it out here. This this guy is wise. How many want to be wise? Man, I, I would love to be wise, right? So he's talking about the guy here is wise because of this. It says, whoever comes to me, hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the streams beat vehemently against that house. And listen, could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. Right? And then it goes on to say, well, the guy who was not wise, the guy who did not follow my teachings, did not come to me, did not hear what I had to say, did not even put him into practice. Man, everything in his life was a storm. Everything in his life was just tossed over, destroyed, just all over the place, all over the map. So our heart is just to help us understand that if we want to put our life in right order, when, if we want to see, you know, yes, there will be storms. Yes, there will be situations that arise in our life. But you know what? When you put, get into the right order of coming to him, hearing his word and putting it into practice, I, I, I'm going to guarantee you that you will be on more stable ground than you ever have before, that you've ever been through any kind of storm because you'll know that, you know what? He takes care of his people. He takes care of those who who seek him first and the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to him. He he, he will take care of you. Even if it looks like, man, there's just no way. No, God is faithful to his word 100% of the time. But see, what we got to do is we got to be wise. Instead of waiting until we're in trouble, waiting until something happens, we got to be able to say, nope, first thing I'm doing is I'm coming to him. Right? This thing just came up. Oh my gosh, I am coming to him. What does he have to say about that? 
Okay, that's what he has to say about. Now, what do I need to put into practice? Okay, this is what I need to put into practice. This is what I need to do in my life. And I'm just telling you, you know what? You will be able to walk through that storm and just feel like, you know what? Man, I'm not going to sink. I'm not going to experience destruction all over my life and all through all these things. But actually, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to come out of this thing. I'm going to come out of it. And yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I've got a, uh, a shingle that came off my roof. Or maybe I've got a, a side paneling that maybe is a little crooked. But guess what? Your house didn't fall. Instead of just being totally washed away. So our heart is just to get this across. For all of us to live in order. And here's the great thing about it. Anything that's out of order can be fixed. Right? If you have the right parts or the right things that need to fix it. So it's simply just going to the Holy Spirit and saying, okay, help me to understand what is out of order. What is out of place in my life? And, and I love that the Holy Spirit is so gracious and so loving. He'll tell you. In fact, you might already know before he even tells you because he's been talking to you about it already. And, he, and then he'll just share it with you. And then you know what? Then it's just going to take discipline to begin to put the right parts in the right spot or to begin to make the, the, put the right things in the right spot in order to begin to establish a rhythm, right? a lifestyle, a pattern, be of prioritizing, being with him first, and not as something that you just, oh my gosh, I better pull him, better bring him along. Instead, it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Problem, situation, storm, let me go get my friend. Right? And hopefully you don't have to like go get him. He's already with you, right? He, he is. But, you know, acknowledging, hey, okay, you're taking on both of us. Because that's what he wants it to ha- how he wants it to happen. He wants, to, he wants you to know, hey, I'm with you. Right? If they're going to mess with you, they're messing with Jesus. But see, that's a daily walking with him, coming to him, listening to his word, putting it into practice. And man, every single one of us can do that. Every single one of us can do that. And so our prayer is just that, you know what? You would find that rhythm to be in order. Um, So let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that you are so wonderful and gracious and so loving. I thank you that as we've listened these three weeks about putting our life in proper order, Lord, it's never been a finger pointed at anybody. But it's been more just a dad trying to talk to his, his, his kids, trying to help them to see what's what's the right choice, what's the right things to put into their life in order for them to be successful. And so Holy Spirit, I, I, you can do way more than I could ever do, Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, I just let you do what you need to do in each of our hearts, me included, when it comes to this idea, this thought, this, this, this practice. Help us to, to recognize and see where we're out of order if we are. Help us then to put into practice those things that we need to put into practice. Those those wants and those desires begin to turn towards you because we really do love you. 
And obedience is just strictly out of the fact that I love you and I want to, and I want to just do what you, do, you say to do. It's not out of a rule. It's not out of a heavy weight. It's not out of a heavy burden. Oh, I must do. It's like, no, I get to do because I love you. And so I thank you. That Holy Spirit, you'll wrap this, you'll tie this up in a bow inside each of our hearts and continue to reveal the truth of it. Even as we leave today, even throughout the weeks and even months and years, that this would be a word that they would hold on to to be able to to facilitate in their life constantly, to be put in order and not to live out of order. And so I thank you for all that you're going to do. I thank you for all that you're going to speak to us. I thank you all that you're you're just planning on, on pouring out to us when it comes to this. And we bless you for it in Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.